when you hear a natural position so many times that you don't know what an arm's natural position is anymore. It's not so MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Nick. Happy birthday. Thank you. I don't, we've, I don't think we've had uh, recorded on a birthday before. It's true. Well, well, big moment. You. Thank you for being here with me and with the listeners and talk about soccer. Hey, what else am I going to do to celebrate my 33rd year? I'm still I'm still young in MLS terms, though. I'd like to point that out. That's true. I haven't we even got, hit my prime uh, yet. We got the the salary release today. I'm pretty sure you can you can make a solid like 128 thousand dollars. Oh, absolutely. Kidding. <laughs> um, I appreciated uh base base salary. So the white caps on that list. The white caps are the only. This is base salary, not guaranteed salary or any additional sort of goodies. Mm-hmm. The Whitecaps are one of two teams to not have a single player with a base salary over a million dollars. Yeah. Which what is what is the other one? Uh the other one has got to be Is it Dallas? It's Dallas! Yes! Mm. Dallas is one guy where the guaranteed takes him over a million, but that's uh, but but that's our company. That's the company that the Whitecaps are in. It's not bad company. It's not bad company. And I think it. I think that it's a it's a fun exercise to go through these lists because um, you know I think that you wouldn't expect the some of the players, some of the teams that you know that you think are are high spending only have one or two, and some of the teams that you think are low spending have three or four from case to case. Mm-hmm. I, I only really got to, to take a look at the, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps salaries. So what else should I be looking at? Um, I particularly, uh, I have to double, I have to double check, but, uh, but for example, you've got, um, I played this, I played this game with a, uh, in a group chat today and, the some of the ones that you wouldn't expect include I think Columbus has got uh Columbus is paying I think four be three people that. Mm. So you'd be like, Oh yeah, Columbus is not uh paying any money, but they're they're giving that money to, to Federico Iguain, David Akam and, and Gassi Zardes. Which a lot of people I did see note one person on Twitter that is like, We're paying Zardes two point six million dollars. Yeah. It's it's certainly a lot, but I mean, the, that's why the numbers thing is so misleading at times. Because as much as it's easy to say, okay, because this team isn't spending huge, stupid amounts of money, therefore that's why they're not where I think they should be. And then it's also easy to take a player like Zardes and say, well, there's players that score more goals and get paid less money, but that's just kind of true in MLS. So it's... It's hard to compare, right? I mean, you could say like Montero and Kai Kamara make similar salaries and in some years score similar amounts of goals and some years they don't. I think with a player like Zardes, you're also sort of banking on the fact that he is a more rounded out talent than a guy who's just going to bag, you know, 10 to 12 goals per year. And he might score slightly fewer than that. So I don't know. I don't, it's hard to read too 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 much into it. 
that makes sense. That so that was today's news with MLS, but there hasn't been uh, a whole lot going on in the league because it's the Women's World Cup and also the Gold Cup break. But there's no uh, no Gold Cup matches this week, so I took uh, my opportunity to uh, get into the World Cup spirit. I think I've seen you know something like nine matches live in some form or another. And you also hosted the first ever That's So MLS live uh, viewing party. That's coming up. Oh, uh, St. John listeners. I... Well, even Saint more John pertinent then. <laughs> if you are, uh, if you are, uh, can hear the sound of my voice and you live in the beautiful city of St. John, New Brunswick, uh, come to the Bunkhouse Hostel on Saturday, uh, June 15th at 4 o'clock and uh, watch Canada versus New Zealand. They have been great at hosting soccer before and uh, they were happy to do so on this occasion. Beautiful. And this is the Canada group stage game I don't work during, so that's how that happened. Even better. <laughs> even better. Yeah, admittedly, I haven't had a, a ton of opportunity yet to um, watch a ton of the games, but I've been keeping an eye on things and sort of keeping up with the highlights, so at least I'm up on the storylines. Before we dive into the the few MLS games we have and the Women's World Cup, what for you just first impressions? This It's been, what, five days now of games what what sort of your key things that you've just noticed or been excited about well okay so the first round of group stage matches so like everybody's played each other once now yeah or or, everybody's had one game uh to sort of test things out and um the, the the very first thing that you see of course is that france is gunning for it uh, they won four mm. nothing in their opening match, and they won a two one today against Norway. Um, France is often a strong team, but with the with the combination of of the success of French teams in the UEFA Champions League, and also um, the 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 hometown energy, I really think they're powering up to be a sort of a, a, a superpower in this tournament, um, which of course always. Where he's a, a Canada fan, since France is is one of those teams that have, has hung around the uh, the bronze medal level that they've had to overcome to, to reach a bronze before uh, in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how that uh, moves around in the power dynamics of the tournament. Until yesterday, I would have said that this is um, this is a tournament where even Teams that uh, that a lot of teams are, are are much more even than you've seen in past tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, Germany, uh, China looked great against Germany for a long time until they were able to score their single goal. South Africa scored and held the lead until uh, a unfortunate collapse to Spain late on. Uh, New Zealand looked like they could beat the Netherlands. Chile looked like they could beat Sweden until Sweden hit too late. Uh, and then USA beat Thailand by two touchdowns. So that kind of blew my uh, hypothesis, my first round hypothesis out of the water. Uh, we are in, we have just, we have completed 24 hours of did, did US, what if USA but too much? Uh, Which is course. funny because at the time that I messaged you, I felt like I hadn't really gone on Twitter. And so I was sort of making the comment to you like as a bit of a, a joke about celebrations and then 
that's been the major news line for the last 24 hours. Well, it's, it, it was a, it was, the first half was, was a little bit more sort of composed. Um, here's the scoring sheet. I won't read the names. I'll just read you the minutes. So you kind of have a, a, an idea of how this unspooled. 12 minutes, 20 minutes, 32 minutes, the U.S. score. They end the first half 3 nothing. Not the only team. There were two other teams in this tournament that, that, that had that. That wasn't, that was a, a sort of a, measure, a measured approach. Then in the second half, 50, 53, 54, 56, 74, 79, 81, 84, 87, and 92. That'll do it. <laughs> um, there are a lot of things people pointed to. Some of the the later goal celebrations, uh, Alex Morgan counting off her goals. Alex Morgan scored five. Um, this this was exacerbated somewhat uh, by the Canadian TSN panel. Yeah. Uh, TSN has had a, a, a great, it's been a great and interesting panel. Um, and, it, you know, we, we now have an opportunity to talk about it. Um, uh, that features many past stars, including Diana Matheson, uh, Caitlin yeah. Kyle, and Claire Rustad, um, with one other, I'm trying to, to find her name, but also a, a, a host that is a, the one person on the panel not associated with the Canadian women's national team mm. um, that has been great. I mean, you know, Diana Matheson is, is, has been such an amazing player for so long that I find it to be fascinating to get the chance to watch her talk about what, um, like, like watch, see how she processes soccer and, and how she responds to things. However, because you have so many people, including Matheson and Kyle, that are so recently involved in the team, it's not really like a neutral perspective. Yeah. It's like this is this is how the Canadian national team feels about anything that they're talking about. And and, and I would say that that's true for, for other games in the tournament as well. Mm-hmm. But they this gets to them and, and they're saying, you know, Matheson saying, oh, I'm disgusted by this. Is one of the is one of the lead quotes, and and they talk about how they don't feel like it's poor, it's sportsmanship that it's that as a Canadian it kind of you know rubs them the wrong way. Somebody screen capped that and posted that on Twitter, and then USA Twitter, in Canada, USA Soccer Twitter, and Canada Soccer Twitter got up in arms. Wait, I think it's wait, sorry, just back up a second. Am I, am I hearing this correctly? That Soccer Twitter, like <laughs> national team, North American national team, Soccer Twitter. Blew up, got enraged about something that maybe wasn't really a storyline, huh? Yeah, well, huh. I mean, like it certainly it was, and everybody is loving talking about it. Um, you have kind of the both the the two sides of it that are saying, you know, uh, Grant Wall had a great column today. I thought where he talked about. Um, they tried to do their best to talk to the, the Thai players afterwards and the Thai players were keeping on a brave face and they were saying, you know, you've got to, first of all, the first argument is the, the two issues that people are sort of hair splitting on are, should they have scored 13 goals? The answer is, uh, goal difference. They, this is the same thing you hear every time there's a blowout. I don't think that that's new at this point. Yeah. Teams, teams have got to run up their goal difference. Um, the the celebration thing is a tough 
Rotoho because um, people say, you know, their their perspective of it is, you know, it's a dream. It's a childhood dream to score in the World Cup. So uh, so every chance you get to do it, you have to, you know, take it with all the exuberance that you can. And I, in my heart, that appeals to me as an idea. But the end of that game was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I've been on the receiving end of some of this. Um, and I've, I've looked like that Thai goalkeeper at times, just sort of <laughs> aimlessly leaping for balls that are, you are just not going to get to. Um, and I, I'm, that sounds very disrespectful, but I mean, I've literally been in that position of just, you are mismatched. I think we can yeah. all acknowledge that there is a, a clear gap between uh, abilities for those teams. I think the thing that, just overall about the internet and especially sports, Twitter and so celebrations, etc. that the point they might be missing is nobody's saying you can't do it. We're just yes. saying that you're an asshole. If you do <laughs> like, there's a very big difference between saying, well, you shouldn't do this or you can't do this. And just saying like, no, it, it just means that you're not a great person. I've had teams do this to me and to my team and we've gotten blown out. And we don't hate the other team for doing it, but it's kind of a dick move to just to start showing off and celebrating when you're like, okay, on your 10th goal, like, yes, we get it. You're clearly better than us, but now you're also going to waste another two minutes with celebrating a goal, which is kind of like at this point, yes, we get it. It's basically target practice for you. You can do it. We're not going to complain or you know, start fouling the other team because of it, but it does lessen our opinion of you as people. And I think that to me is <laughs> my takeaway. I'm like, sure, go ahead and do it. Do whatever you want to celebrate a goal. But as you said, especially um, with some of Rapinoe's thing, it was just, it was really uncomfortable. And, she's, like, and she has every right to do it, but it was uncomfortable and kind of classless. So I, I think, I think that the, the, when I had people from outside of soccer be like, why though? When I was, when, 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 you know, texting me about it, it's like, well, they're heels. And, and this is the thing outside of soccer. Yeah. 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 Um, it's really important. I think to, well, not really important, but we, you know, I want the U S women's national team to have more prominence in the U S sports market. Mm -hmm. I think that they're, they're, uh, I think that their contributions are are worth uh, celebrating, and I think that Absolutely. they should be paid equally uh, by their federation. Yeah. When you when you're inside here, though, when you're in the tournament and everybody is competing, the 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 line that I used on Twitter was, I think that sometimes the U.S. people, the U.S. fans, real, don't always realize that they are not that that team is not the underdogs; it's the Death Star, and you don't have to like the Death Star. Yeah. And, that, and, and multiple things can be simultaneously true. They are by far the best team in the tournament um, and possess amazing amounts of talent and deserve every accolade that they've won. And yes. you're right. Like, and they still don't even get paid equally. Not even, not even close. So that yes. is true. And also true, true is that I mean, they also play into this image of being the heel a little bit, um, both to, I think, continue publicity around the team and also like 
it's kind of a team made up of like soccer villains in a way. And <laughs> we see soccer villains the world over. I mean, Ibrahimovic is the perfect example. Everybody knows that he's kind of a classless dude. And he's also amazing. And nobody's saying he shouldn't talk about himself or talk about other players the way he does. We're just saying it kind of makes him a jerk. Well, yeah, even like, even to not say a jerk, there was this great line. There's this, uh, where was it? There was, um, Grant, in Grant Wall's column, he's like, I don't want to judge, I don't want to police people's emotions and, and the celebrations that they have. And, and I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but... The other thing is that he says, you know, there have been other times in there have been other times in history where U.S. women's national team players have called uh, things like this bush league, and I'm I'm trying to find the specific examples, but the 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 key line that goes through all of them is is that it's kind of like has braggy swagger, right? Yeah, and that's fine. That's yeah. good. It, it's fun to watch, and in and, and it's better to have than to not have, but it's like. You know, it's it's that you know you've become you've you have to readjust to being the the Yankees in a sense. It's like yeah. the, it's like the it's like the New England Patriots, but you have five Tom Brady's and you decide to play them all at the same time when you're up ten nothing. Yeah, kind of a little bit. And at the same time, to be fair, I think that like the high hoarseness of the Canadian panel all. Yep. Canadian athletes I respect tremendously. It was yep. also a little bit of the the old, not a little bit, I think a heavy dose of the Canadian holier-than-thou. Well, as a Canadian, I really, like, come on. Canadians are polite, but we are super mean. Like, we're all muttering the same thing <laughs> under our breaths as we walk away after we apologize for the thing. Um, and I'm also... Totally okay with stoking the flames of the rivalry between the two teams on both sides. Agree. I definitely also agree with that. I think that that it, you know, this whole thing has increased my enjoyment. I hope the two teams meet. I think that'd be hilarious. Absolutely, not even hilarious, but just you know, especially now, uh, and it's 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 driving my enjoyment of it. But just like, don't get carried away with it, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kale and Kyle got death threats for that. Like. That sucks. Well, it's good, though, Just I think, that the one thing that's consistent <laughs> and equal is that if we're addressing women on the internet, regardless of the subject, it's always going to be followed up with death threats. Oh, God. Consistency, people. Um, so, so that happened. Uh, the, the U.S. now uh, sit first in their group. Um, Wait, they do? The, well, <laughs> sorry. Um, the, uh, the other group F match, Sweden was, uh, was two nothing up on Chile, who again, I thought was, was, was decent. And we now see, uh, in the second round, uh, I don't know that this is true from all the groups. No, it's, it's, but, but yesterday's that I think were, were kind of interesting were, um, that you now saw some of the, the one, one, the, the first, the people, some of the stronger teams in the group play each other and some of the weaker teams in the groups play each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nigeria, who, who lost three, nothing to Norway, uh, then beat the Korea, Korea Republic, uh, two, nothing. Yeah. That looks like so, a, a good match today. I saw some parts of it and sorry, I interrupted yeah, you. Yep. Yeah, no, I didn't have it. Go for it. Well, I was just going to say that one of the things that I've been impressed with, with the, the snippets I've been able to see is that the overall gameplay has gotten a lot better. 
Um, and there's a little bit less of the sort of beach volleyball style that we've seen um, that the Canadian men's national team has been particularly guilty of at times. That there's a little bit more ball on the deck. And I was really impressed to see like the the quality of passing play between Nigeria and Korea. And there were the good solid formations there that were um, like, again, just the overall quality has come up a little bit across the board. And uh, like, it sounds super patronizing and I don't know how else to talk about it without having that tone. But I just mean like, it's good that all the teams, like the quality overall is improving and it's becoming more competitive. And yeah, there's still a few games that are the rock'em, bock'em, rock'em, sock'em, boppers style of football, but we're also seeing some really competitive football matches with some even score lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed Spain, South Africa. That'd have been one of the like most fun ones, even if it had a bad, uh, even if it, it, you know, a lot of people were in support of South Africa. Uh, Tamba K- uh, Kitlana. Uh, hits a chip into the top corner early mm, on and, mm-hmm. and looks like they're going to hold it. Uh, and then uh, they conceded two penalties, uh, the second one which got them a red card and then had uh, a howler off of a, a, a goalkeeping howler resulted in that third goal that got Spain the win. But I did appreciate, you know, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'd be interested to see what South Africa is doing. And then afterwards they're just like, oh, my God. Banyana, banyana, forever. <laughs> um, so, so like it's fun to see teams, you know, win fans that way. Um, Canada had a very, very even-headed uh, one nothing win over Cameroon to start. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept things locked down pretty well just before the end of halftime. Kadisha Buchanan hits a header, uh, a header in after sort of like a. I'd say that there was some some consistent pressure by Canada in that half, uh, and, and they they continued to press in the second half. But but I wouldn't say that they got um, very stressed about scoring that second goal. They didn't really sort of get loose with the thought that oh well we are going to be able to beat Cameroon. They 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 stayed locked into their defensive shape. I think. Yes, and I'm okay with it. Personally, and I'm, I'm and I'm not trying to position here like the morally correct thing to do is win one nothing as opposed to thirteen nothing. I I think it's a perfectly fine game strategy to go and practice scoring goals if you can. Uh, also, equally important is being able to see out uh, a no nonsense one nothing victory, um, especially at this level. It's something I'd like to see the men's team do a little bit more rather than press and press and press and make yourselves really open and become vulnerable to attack is really work on playing good soccer and keeping your defensive shape because that's what the difference maker for so many really good national teams is. It was good to see Canada, as you say, continue to press and get chances, um, but also not... They seem to uh, much, much tidier than they have in some of their other qualifying matches of years past. And yeah. I, I think that that was an intentional move that I'm super okay with. Netherlands scored in uh, in stoppage time uh, on Tuesday through Jill Roar. That one looked really great. A lot of people wanted to see um, Chile maybe get something. Uh, and there was a, a lengthy rain delay mm-hmm. in that game. So there was there was the, the – uh, I think it was as 
I think it was a zero zero actually through the 71st minute. Um, and then when they came back, Sweden hit those two goals. Um, it that was something sec- where I just wanted to pause that second goal from, I think it's, um, Yanogi. Yeah. Where she cuts, cuts inside all of a sudden and just blasts this ball in. It was real, real pretty stuff. And one of those things where, again, like just seeing those styles of play, it always makes me smile because, of course, clearly the, the viewing public is on board with the Women's World mm-hmm. Cup this year and, and numbers have been fantastic for it. But of course, there's always the idiot naysayer that is joking about the quality of football, but it's moves like that where you go, like, I mean, that, that is just a world-class move. Doesn't matter yeah. what sport you're talking about. There's, there's nothing that you can say about that, that you don't just kind of go like, you're nodding as you're watching it with a big smile on your face. Like, oh, yes, that is how you score I'm, a goal. I'm so, I'm just so happy to have so much soccer on my television again. Um, yeah, it's the, great. It's a good problem loved, to have. I love the commentators in this game a lot. Because uh, they start they they especially during the uh, the break uh, as as rain started to come in, uh, one of them says thunderbolts thunderbolts and lightning in Rens, and the other woman says could be very very frightening for Sweden. Just <laughs> no, and, uh. and just you know, for all the times that I've ever heard announcers try to kill time on a broadcast. No indication of how long this could last. Anyone know any good jokes? It's just like a... Mm, mm, mm. I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah. I, um, the One of the teams... One of the games, sorry, that uh, has been getting a bit of chat was Argentina-Japan. That for a nil-nil result, people were kind of surprised here that... Uh, Japan wasn't able to get something in on Argentina and really talking about the quality of the play from Argentina that had massively improved for their team. I think that the people underestimate how, like, uh, I would say that when I first started watching in 2012, the way people talked about it was, is that the idea of getting a win in on the top six was really, really hard to do. Um, and it's not that those teams have gotten worse, but in the, the time between now and then, Teams have seen Canada and other sides break in and, and get results mm-hmm. on those teams that are high up on the on the uh, uh, in the standings, and I don't think it's an uh, an accident that you see teams playing so close uh, close to the vest because they know that if they are going to encounter uh, Japan, who are the 2011 World Cup champions, or if they're uh, if they're going to encounter a USA, that they're going to have to you know, uh, play. They're going to have to play as as hard defensively as they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the other ones that my other notes. I had uh, I had some of the notes from the the first game with France. I just love to see uh, Wendy Renard, Amandine Henry, uh, Amandine Henry, who you know if you uh, watch the Portland Thorns, mm-hmm. which is great in that game. Um, it's kind of funny, you know. This is. You know, watching the the, I love seeing people from the Thorns pop up or people from uh, Leon pop up. Uh, uh, Lise Vandesanda mm-hmm. had a big uh, Shanice Shanice Vandesanda had an amazing uh, like cheetah haircut, which I really loved. 
all kinds of little characters. It's uh, it's great, and I'm excited. You know, even though this was a this was a, a contentious 24 hours, I'm excited to see how that competitive spirit um, builds into the into the uh, the the knockout rounds. Hell yes, and I mean, given that we're even uh, we're, we're so early into this, I think it's great that like if, if there's excitement and so a bit of controversy early on, thank God it's not about the refereeing, right? Like, thank God we're actually That's talking true. about scoring goals and soccer play. <laughs> the only thing about the refereeing, and, oh and this no, could maybe I be spoke our, too soon. Our 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 leap that gets us to uh, MLS from here. Oh, <laughs> uh, with that with the um with the Spain South Africa game, um. We have been seeing a return. We have been seeing again um, more issues related to the the on the like you know letter of the law policing of the unnatural position. Yeah, handball situation where you're having players come in and in 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 scenarios where you wonder, you know, was it intentional or not? It's it's now out of the. It's now just like was the arm in 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 uh. A natural position or not, but sometimes you just think that you can't, you know, you can't get the arm in quick enough. You know, the 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 body is a is a mysterious thing that that like you know as you as you use your arms for balance or whatever. There's to say let's <laughs> or whatever, right? But it's like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Of course, I I have a there... suggestion that I I yes. would just think we should try. I'm not saying it would solve anything necessarily, but we should try it. Which is, I think, rather than go to video review, they should first go and ask the defender or whoever's arm we think it hit and come up and in a very particular voice go, was that intentional? Come on now. (laughs) And if they say no, then it goes to video review. But if they say yes, you're just like, all right, it's a penalty. Sort of sheepishly like, yeah. I can appreciate... And I know that this is like anathema, but now we went from trying to give, uh, we try, we went from trying to give some discretion to giving no discretion. And I think that people are a little dissatisfied with the no discretion side. Mm-hmm. I, I think that people, you're seeing games that are decided, a lot of games that are being decided on penalties, like the year, year Champions League final. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, and people are are wondering how they feel at the end of this. I wonder, and this is maybe just because me as a Canadian who's been watching the the basketball, if some version of a like a handball foul to give thing, like if it's not a if it's not a a, a super intentional handball, you get you get one. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets one, and then if you do it again, then then we go to penalties. I know that's anathema to how people think about handballs, handball penalties, but we're going to see a lot more. Yeah, this, I'm not looking forward this, to it, to be uh, honest. Like the, I get the rule change, but I think it's going to just be one of those things that is has good intentions that are meant to clarify, but as a lot of people are already saying, it's kind of just creating more confusion. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention before we move to MLS is uh, yesterday I was saying uh, I sent you the some premium social media content from the Portland Thorns. Oh, yeah. I've got a chance to listen to this. Oh, okay. All, people, as people know, I'm all about, if I'm here for one thing, it's excellent or cheesy or both 
excellent and cheesy soccer social media content. And the Portland Thorns released this like 13 minute interview that's just Tobin Heath and Christine Sinclair just kind of interviewing that's each so other. Bad. It's so, so good. And it's great to see these two stars from opposing national teams, uh, you know, at the height of their talents, just kind of like gush over each other, but be very like, but real, be real coy about it. But even just to talk about the game as teammates and to get each other's views on watching, you know, another legend in the game is, is really great. So I highly recommend if people haven't seen that to go check out uh, this short little interview where I got like extended interview with Tobin Heath and Christine Sinclair. It's excellent. That's good. If for, for, for all of the, uh, like one of the things that watching it, you know, over the years since I started uh, paying attention uh, to women's soccer, um, the one of the things that I really appreciate from NWSL is the opportunity to get to know people from the U.S. Women's National Team mm-hmm. a little bit more. I think there are a lot of there are a lot of great personalities here, and that's also true of the Canadian team. Um, I think that we we are seeing a, a special player in uh, a special person in, in Christine Sinclair. Uh, potentially play her last Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that it will be for sure be her last Women's World Cup. It's Jim out there. She could play in as many more as she wants to. She's got a free pass for me. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> but it's like we've got to really uh, appreciate what a uh, what a fantastic individual is currently the captain of Canada. Abs- and, and what I love about uh, this interview is it also as much as the I mean these the two players are two of the best from their countries and yet being fans of each other and and showing that there is that camaraderie between professional athletes even when they're you know yes they're teammates but might be on the national team be uh, opponents um, but just the the insights that they're able to give and one of the things that Tobin Heath says about Christine Sinclair that I've always thought is true is just how she does so many little things that people don't rave about. Like, yes, of course she can score goals, but her read of the game and uh, being able to bring in other players um, and and just all the little things in a game that make a really great player that often you don't really see unless you're a fellow player or a fellow great player. I, I'm, it was just such an interesting insight to get from Tobin Heath. Because obviously, yes. she, if anybody's going to notice those things, it's going to be her. That's true. Um, in MLS, we had. Uh, uh, speaking of, do we want to do we want to do the the TSC game first? Let's do it. That was a uh, that was a real interesting, spicy game uh, to start off uh, to start off the weekend. This this truncated schedule of uh, of MLS. Um, let me just find it on my uh, on my score tracker here. Um, the old was a two-two draw here, um, yes. and a, uh, a handful of penalties as well to kick uh, another fine MLS uh, <laughs> weekend off. I think if you have fewer games, it means that you need to get the normal amount of penalties into those remaining few games. So yes, uh, I'm fine with it. the The major talking point here was Greg Vanny was pretty upset, and I think I believe he called it disgraceful in his speech uh his speech his post-game interview uh and one of the few times that i am going to agree with greg vanny and actually feel a little sorry for tfc uh the first penalty that's given on drew moore it's not even a foul 
It's not even in the box. It's definitely not a penalty. And yet somehow, even after video review, it's given. I think this is incredibly, incredibly harsh call to give in a game where like nothing's even really happened yet. And you just, you, you don't need to make that call. Um, and it's just really disappointing because to me that just takes, it puts such a sour note on the whole game. Am I crazy here? I think that we, every time there's a penalty like this that's given for, for contact in the penalty area, um, you you think about all the other instances of little incidental contact that's never called. In this case, I think what you have is, uh, if I recall, the the player's legs are outside of the penalty area, and his body is, he's kind of like leaning back, so his, his back is in. Like he's trying to kick, or he's just, he has just kicked, or whatever. And the defender essentially brings his arm down and has his hand on the chest of the player, which results because the player is off balance. Yeah. Uh, in the player falling backwards. Um, in one of the issues relating to that is, you know, where did the foul occur? Did it occur? The player's feet were on the ground outside the penalty area. The, the I would love to know where the foul area. occurred. Like, what in what universe did the foul occur? <laughs> but but I think that that's less material than just the idea of like, like this is not. You know, sometimes you see, you know, players. You know, referees tell players to 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 cut it out or whatever. And and this is not a a hand positioning that I would have said is. Un, unreasonable or unnatural no grabbing there were unnatural there was no grabbing like like if you could say there was contact there was contact but also the player was not necessarily in a like there was no denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity to me well and because the, the player's back is to the goal and there's nobody around him the, and that's the other thing i mean his back is to the, the defender and drew Moore certainly has a hand on his shoulder but i mean if you're going to call that a foul, it's just, it's so, so light. It's still outside of the box. Um, and it just, yeah, it, it casts such a, a pall over the the rest of the game. Now, shortly now, thereafter, <laughs> yeah, there is a response to it, which I think is a good signal for TFC fans. They will feel much aggrieved that, they only got a point out of this game, but it was great character from TFC to do exactly what MLS teams need to do that you and I say so often and get so frustrated by is that teams complain about calls that go against them, but don't really do anything to help their case by no. by sort of just capitulating too early. TFC stays in it. Um, they're able to get back on terms 1-1. Then there's a second penalty, which... I mean, it's certainly more of a penalty than the first one, but it's still quite soft. But there's another penalty given against them. But here's the problem. It's the same. Okay, so it's Gutierrez and it's DeLeon, the first two goal scorers. Yeah. Um, and and you have the, the, the keeper, Westberg, comes in hard on Gutierrez. Mm -hmm. And his leading leg, at first you're watching the goalkeeper. And the leading leg, uh, the goalkeeper's leading leg doesn't touch the ball. But sort of the trailing leg does, and, and the ball is directed out by the sort of the, I don't know if you call it a kick, incidental contact on the leg. Mm -hmm. um, but the card is actually given to De Leon, to Nick DeLeon, who is following up on the play with the idea that he's got his 
that he's given him a, a a small push, putting him over the keeper like this. And again, it's this idea of incidental contact where, where like you can't, I don't think that you can really judge based on how, how far the, the player flies because sometimes people can put a little extra mustard onto that uh, and when they realize that that's happened. My thing for this too, and this is where I, I say I'm, I'm a little bit more okay with this one being a penalty because it's a little bit of like a, you know, there's numerous different ways of looking at it. But to me, the player doesn't fully have the ball under control and it's kind of 50-50. And yeah. so for me, yes, there's a little bit of a push from De Leon and I get that the call and the card is on him, but I don't see again the denial of a goal scoring opportunity here because uh, Gutierrez doesn't have the ball under control. So, yeah. of course, you can argue, like, well, what does it mean to have the ball under, under control? And fine. Um, however, it's good from Toronto to be able to get themselves back into this one. It's not great marking from Sporting Kansas City, but it's just a beautiful, 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 perfectly timed pass from Boz- Pozuelo that cuts through the poorly uh, marked defenders to Jonathan Hamilton, who makes absolutely no mistake of it and i think does his coach and his whole team proud to say you know like no excuses let's get something out of this let's take care of what we are in control of and at least salvage a point for me this is a possible turning moment for tfc to signal intentions of things to come and where they can go with um without necessarily their best starting 11 to come together as a team despite great adversity uh, calls going against very experienced defenders are still able to get uh, a point out of it, I think is a very promising sign. And Mm. if you're a coach, you'd rather walk away frustrated against the refereeing, but proud of your team. Yeah. And I, I I think that sometimes when it's a home draw, people can be a little upset, but I kind of do think that stoppage time, uh, there aren't too many places where where I'm not happy with a, a stoppage time equalizer. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, you could have done, you guys could have done more. Well, you did push and you and you got a result in the in the end, and, and you kept going to the night uh, to the final whistle. So I appreciate that. And Jordan Hamilton's goal uh, certainly applies here. And you're right to you're right to call out that beautiful uh, uh, ball from Pozuelo to set it all up. Oh, uh, it's super tasty and. I always love seeing a... I mean, Jonathan Hamilton's not a young, young player. I believe he's... Jordan. Jordan. Sorry. Why did I put Jonathan? Jordan Hamilton is... Uh, I think he's 25 or 26 now. But he's... Uh, it's good to see a player like that be able to step in and contribute. And, it, and again, it's it's something that you might expect a more experienced player to do um, and be able to keep their head on. So it's great when younger players can also do that. And having gone down twice on penalties poorly given... Um, yeah, I, I was, I found myself pleased with Toronto FC, which is not a thing that happens often. <laughs> I didn't like the feeling. Uh, Colorado had a, a, a pretty solid one nothing win over Minnesota at home. Uh, corner kick floats up and, and Kamara tracks it in to, uh, to, to meet it for the header. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Mosquita had this amazing... Uh, like like this amazing evil plan that he thinks is gonna work, where he, he comes in with his foot and tries to axe down with his foot like onto a ball that a goalkeeper is holding. Well, knocks I didn't the ball s- down and then he didn't just then try. He he succeeded sport. in axing the ball down. 
Right, but I think that it's hilarious to me that you that you that you do that, and then you go through the whole rest of the motions of the play uh, in 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 the facsimile of the idea that you you didn't just foul the goalkeeper. Yes, you didn't just try to kick the goalkeeper in the hand. Uh, indeed, that was totally uh, fine, totally fine. Everything good here. Going to score this goal. It's one of those ones that when you first see it and the camera angle from behind, you're like, come on, he's just being creative. But then from a different angle, slow motion, you're like, well, I can see how that's kind of dangerous play. Yeah. Um, So good push from them, but there's not a heck of a lot in this game. Um, I I don't know if this is necessarily completely true, but I wanted to say it and then get your thoughts on it, is that for me, what's making Colorado good right now is that no one's really taking them seriously enough. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of coaches are, but I think teams have still been a little bit too relaxed against them. And it's just sort of lazy marking in, on the goal from Kamara. At the same time, he's really where he's positioned. He is being marked properly and his run is being tracked. I just don't think the, the defender is expecting him to get there. But of course, it's Kamara and he does and just makes it look incredibly simple. Um, but I feel like this is where Colorado is having some success now as teams kind of pull back, aren't quite sharp enough early on enough. And then Colorado is able to, uh, defend through their attack for the rest of the game and create enough chances that they really make it difficult for a team to come back in. Um, cause Vancouver had the same difficulty against them is that we, we got some goals, but then sort of let up and let Colorado back into the game. and. Sure enough, Colorado's quite comfortably climbing up the table, despite such a miserable beginning to their season, are now sitting in a pretty good position, at least for the summertime, in compared to where they were. They are. Uh, I think that you know the uh, the West is is flat at that end of the table, mm-hmm. where it's like, um, you know, Portland's last in the West, if you could believe it. Uh, well, I guess they had that. I guess I guess if you if in recent weeks they've been doing better, so you kind of like are a little bit more. Uh, your your mind just snaps back into this idea of them being great, but it's like uh, the worst team in the West right now is five points out of a playoff spot. Uh, not too bad, not too shabby. Yeah, there that that back end is is very compressed, and you can see a lot of. Uh, you could see a lot go one way or the other. It's like ten, the 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 ten point difference between fourth and twelfth. Mm-hmm. So you could see any number of, of of swings in in teams that are in the playoffs, be not in the playoffs, teams that are in, in vice versa. Um, uh, an amazing maneuver that led a team into the game early that occurred in, in San Jose Earthquakes FC Dallas was one of the most uh, classic. Uh, goalkeeper howlers <clears throat> in some time. I think we're gonna be we're gonna be seeing this one show up on TSN countdown list for a minute. Uh, the ball, Daniel Vega, who is his. I feel so bad for him because he's done so well. Yeah, this year. yeah, he's he... done so well this year in in the the his resurgence. He's he's been our sort of like dark horse goalkeeper of the year. Uh, at least at this point, he's had such some really fantastic games. Uh, 
it's just very bizarre and and very not great. And I just love the cut to Almeida standing on the sidelines, just looking completely like, did we not just talk about concentrating <laughs> early on? Like, what just happened? Um, went, I have also scored that. an own goal like this and not all that long ago. So at first I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, you know what? It happens to the best of us. Okay, so does it actually hit his heel? It does. Okay, what I what I see happen is that the the ball is is back passed to him, ever so softly. He he passes to his player, and the player passes back to him, and he sticks out his foot. So he doesn't take his foot up. He sticks out his foot to get it, but he he sticks it like uh like a you know a half a foot too far, and the ball comes rolling behind him. And as he tries, I guess as he's trying to pull it back, he hits it with his with his heel as he's trying to pull his. Is that what happens? Yeah, yes. it's it's sort of like a a little bit of a a missed step over, shall we say, that ends up being kind of like a a more of a back heel into his own net. Um, it's not a great look, um, but similarly, uh, I I think that it was good to see San Jose keep themselves in the game, um, and certainly a very different looking team from what we've seen in. Uh, the early weeks of the season to be able to stay in this one. It is Dallas who was eventually able to get the draw. Um, yeah. But it was great to see that not long after this own goal, uh, Wondolowski steps up and gets his eighth goal of the season in his fourth Wait, it... fourth game played, I think. They said, didn't they say, they said uh, uh, that it was his eighth straight is that his eighth straight goal or the eighth straight goal scored by an earthquake? I guess I the, think it's his eighth you know, straight goal, goal in in games where he's played, knowing that four of those goals happened in that first game he played. Wow, um, he is he is uh, jumping. What I find great great here, he is able to direct the ball uh, off of a corner in with his feet while he's jumping. Yeah. I love that the commentator in this game says, like, uh, it's not pretty, but it does the trick. And I'm like, is there any better way of describing Wondolowski and the reason why he's scored the most goals ever in MLS? Like, it, this is the, the king of it doesn't need to be pretty, but it's it, score with your hip, score with your face, score with your elbow. Well, maybe not your elbow, but score with whatever body part you need to any way, anyhow, uh, and, and rack them up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am. Um, I am just taking this moment to screenshot that picture of Almeida afterwards and, <laughs> and put it like on my fridge yeah, it's, because because it's just phenomenal. It, it's if there was ever like a coach that so MLS moment, he's just like son <laughs> of a like, just we should... <laughs> beside himself with like he's not even furious. It's just such pure disbelief. Um. Kind of a strange goal from his... Ericsson to to make it two one, and then Atuene Atuene. We also had a minute. We also had a, 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 a the Dallas. Uh, I guess that Ericsson one. Yeah. So was it Ericsson or was it Tommy? They said Tommy Thompson. Oh, so maybe I didn't was... think that he played for them, but I but I could have that wrong. But uh, that that one was it was kind of a fun one where the uh, it is it is if I recall. Yes, Magnus, right, okay, Magnus Harrison, uh, assisted by Tommy Thompson, 
Um, it's fired in with uh, with quickness, and it's blocked, but the block zips backwards. Like yeah, and then the ball bounces out, so they need to review it. <laughs> it's it's you know every time many times this is the this is the corollary to I would say sometimes when I see see uh, goal line clearances, I think man, imagine the amount of of precision that you need to be able to ensure that you you have that on lockdown and that your timing is perfectly right. This is one of those times where the timing was, in fact, not perfectly right. Um, and, and VAR, VAR called it correctly. Yeah. It was a, a okay, great call, right. so great use of it. it is, um, it's not the It's goalie, the one that, right. like, it's bounces... Goalie, yeah, bounces back out. And, and so, but it... For me, it looked very clearly in, and it was actually under video review that it looked a little bit. It looked much closer than it initially did, because it looked like right. it bounced Hedges... in, hit the back of the net, and came out. Uh, but on video Matt... review, you see it doesn't actually. Matt Hedges is uh, is standing on the goal line, and his foot is like uh, like half a is inches behind the goal line, and he doesn't even he doesn't even know it's touched him. I think. No. No, it, it's just sort of a, an overall strange play, but it was good that the, the goal eventually stood. And then Atwain just hits this beautiful outside-of-his-foot goal that curls mm. in to tie the game um, in a real tasty little effort. And Dallas continues to be a team that we just are not quite sure what we're going to get from week to week. But uh, an overall good performance from them, and I, th- I also thought a good performance from San Jose. So I, I don't think either team will be too too put out by the result, except perhaps Vega, who is um, you know practicing his footwork a little bit. The West is, and we talked, we just talked about this, but the West is going to be uh, a conference where you see some good teams miss the playoffs. Yeah, they're you know. Saying nothing poorly about the East, but if you look at, you know, Orlando's been fine, Chicago's been fine. I would know that I would, you know, miss either of them. No, from 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 the playoffs, the way that they've been playing, they could they have the potential to be to improve, but uh, but it's like, uh, but right now I wouldn't be like, ah, well, but you see such you see such you know, uh, attempts to improve from all of the Western Conference teams. Um, the remaining MLS match of the weekend, um, is Philadelphia, New York Red Bulls. And at the very beginning, they try to call it a derby and it's like, is it a derby? I don't know that Philadelphia, New York, there are two cities that are vaguely in the same location. You, it could just be a rivalry, you guys. Uh, and what it really is to me is a preview of, of what could be the Eastern conference final. Yeah, it was. It would definitely had the feel of a bit of uh, a dress rehearsal for that. Um, New York Red Bulls comes out sort of flying in this one and doing what they do best. But it's an uh, incredible fight back from Philadelphia to come back into this one and not just come back from behind, but to actually draw a late penalty and win it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the yeah, this is one of those 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 proving ground moments for Philadelphia, where it's like you know we. My thought is this is proof of how, what a top side they are, and I know I've spent the the much of the season being like, 
I'm surprised they're a top side. I can't be surprised anymore. Mm-hmm. This is the level they're playing at, and and this is the the level of quality that they show. Um, at first, they 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 have a couple of of decent chances early. Uh, I loved this one from Sergio Santos, mm-hmm. where he gets played in and he goes one on one with Robles, but his shot just dusts the bar. And it's one of those where I I had previously noted that they couldn't make things. They couldn't make chances fall for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't make their own chances fall. Uh, but you also have to give the – in a scenario like this, you have to give the, the props to Robles because I think sometimes you look at a, a striker who, who shoots over the bar like that and you think, oh, well, you know, they could have done they could have done better with it. but it, Or they beat Robles, but they just weren't able to, to, to get it on frame. Robles closes off the angle. Robles yeah. makes it impossible for for him to shoot any lower and, and have a shot of uh, of making it in the goal. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And I'm glad you pointed that out because it, it it's the little things like that, which are actually quite big things from goalkeepers, that yeah. uh, make it look make the player look like they the striker look like they haven't done the right thing, but in fact it's the goalkeeper who's done the exact right thing to counter it um, that that keeps things where they should be. Um, the, the, to your point I about one, Philadelphia one that I have. being a top team is yeah. is that part of it too is that their stars kind of fly a little bit under the radar in MLS and you forget that a player like Ilsenio, uh really is kind of the real deal and can be a huge difference maker and you know as soon as he comes off the bench to score two goals and yeah and uh, and contribute the way that he did is, is just proof that they've got um, some real talent and, and depth in their squad that is easily overlooked and maybe not as flashy as some of the other star players on teams. Yeah. You have a, uh, um, after uh, Kaku gets the first goal, uh, runs onto a ball in open space. Uh, Brian White for Red Bulls uh, has this amazing little uh, chip where him and, and Andre Blake are watching this ball fall, and Blake thinks it's going to come to him. And Brian White for Red Bulls just steps up an extra half step yeah. and knocks knocks the ball out of the air before it can reach his hands. And how good is he Which, right now? Four, uh, I think he's got four goals and two assists this season. Just just a just great vision, and he he had more. I thought he had, he could have he could have potentially got more. The the thing about this. This is when this Ilsenio comes on. And I wanted to note, because we haven't got as many um, instances this season, this is the soccer's most dangerous lead, 2 nothing lead. Uh, and, and once you have somebody come in on the 50, he comes in on the 53rd minute, he scores seven minutes later yeah. with his first. He, he, he runs in, he swings it back from the goal line to hit it. He has this amazing individual run where he runs through three guys and then dupes it past the goalkeeper. And that's also the the goal that happened a minute four. Montero's goal is assisted by him as well. So he's, he, he doesn't waste time in contributing. And then uh, this this late penalty on the seventy second minute, he makes absolutely no mistake about it and scores just a, a punishing blow to Don't. Red Bulls. Now here's the thing with this. Uh, first of all, this is another handball uh, where I wrote down unnatural position is the name of my new techno band. Mm-hmm. Um, after, uh, New York's, uh, Sean Nealis is the one that gets his arm in it. I wonder, 
I wonder if maybe, you know, we were talking about ways to fix it. If we could just sort of rule out arms. It's like, maybe maybe you should only get a handball call if you actually try to play the ball with your hands. Yeah. Because we allow people to play it with their heads and, you know, their knees and all kinds of other things that aren't feet. Um, you know, you see butt goals on occasion. Yeah. Why are we, why are we so, why are we so anti-arm? Yeah. When it comes to the, well, it uh, touched the, the upper roll. part of his arm. And you're like, that's not really a useful part of your arm, though. It's just holding the, the, the <laughs> it's just attached to the rest of your arm. Yes. Uh, but no, but it, here's the thing about this penalty that I love. Uh, about Il, where it's like, you know, the inevitableness, uh, of Ilsenio is that it's actually taken by somebody else that, Robles saves it, and Ilsenio jumps on and has that right. Uh, yes, yeah, that, yeah. That ability to, to, to score. So he wasn't even taking. He scored on a penalty. He wasn't even taking. That's great. This yes, is the kind of game yes. that he had. I remember. It's funny because as I was looking at the, I was just brought up the the goal scoring summary here, and I was like, I don't remember him taking the penalty. And as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh right, he doesn't. He <laughs> he got, comes back on the pounce. And uh, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And he might have taken. The no, no, no. This is, I think this is the. Oh, maybe. We uh, do a lot of research have... here at That's So MLS. So we like to pride ourselves on our attention to detail. Look, it doesn't matter who took He's the penalty. The he scored it. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> great, great game for him. And, and again, Ilsenio is a, uh, Ilsenio is a top player in the Philadelphia. The Union is a top team. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm excited. I think I think they're gonna do good things. Uh, I feel it's kind of inevitable. Hopefully, I didn't just ruin it for them by saying that. But it seems like they're gonna be in the playoffs for sure. And I'm looking forward to them continuing to just tighten up the machine. Right? They, you know, they've had a couple of bad weeks here and there, but they haven't had any real bad spell of soccer yet. And they've corrected the errors when they come up. They've got great depth. They've got uh, fantastic youth players coming up through, like Aronson, who's been able to step in. So when injuries have happened, they've had the ability to recover. There's nothing to me to say, like, there's no reason why Philadelphia shouldn't be in the final if they continue to improve and just tighten up the, the things that, you know, here and there don't quite go their way. The uh, the live blog said that Ilsenio did take the uh, the penalty, but we know better. It was Jamiro Montero. Um, until uh, until next week, where can we find you online? You can find me online in Flaming the Flame Wars at That's So MLS on Twitter and Instagram. Where can we find you? You can find me in person on Saturday, June fifteenth, at the Bunkhouse Hostel in St. John, yeah. watching Canada versus New Zealand. Um. In, uh, and you can also find me online uh, on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. I am an editor at Howler Magazine, whatahowler.com. And you can find this podcast uh, on www.thatsomls.com, Apple Podcasts, and other uh, great places to find those wonderful audio things. And until next week, if you're going to celebrate a goal, do it responsibly. Don't get sent off.